And we continue with this joy fest in this sermon series called Holy Laughter. And we're turning today to the Psalms and read from Psalm 126. Hear these words. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O God, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Gracious God, giver of all joy, giver of life, we come into this place singing. We ask you to sing with us. We come into this place needing your Holy Spirit. You ask, we ask you to fill us. Speak to us and remind us of the great joy that comes from heavenly places cannot be quenched, the kind of joy that stays with us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so when you read Psalm 126, you simply can't help but feel good. It's a feel-good psalm. I mean, who doesn't love things being restored? Who doesn't love how it feels when the pieces are picked up and put back together again? Who doesn't love it when something that has gone wrong is all of a sudden made right? Who doesn't love it? It puts a smile on our face every single time. Gives us great joy. you read this psalm, makes you feel good. It's a, it's a yay God kind of psalm. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter and, and our tongues with shouts of joy. It's a, it's a joy-filled, yay, way to go, God kind of psalm. Funny thing is, though, when we think of the psalms, we often don't think of the psalms first as happy. When I say I'm going to read a psalm to you, more than likely you're thinking that it's going to be something sad, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, that kind of mourning kind of, kind of parts of psalms. That's our first go-to when we hear the psalms. James Martin, a book I've been reading, suggests that one of the more popular conceptions of the psalms is the psalms of lament, that that's where we first think that there's going to be 
It's going to mourn some sad thing, awful thing that's happened to the people of Israel, you know, that's always weeping by the waters of Babylon. Oh, how long, how long, you know, that kind of stuff in the Psalms. That's where we tend to first go, the Psalms of Lament. But of course, as most of us know, and he would suggest and point out, there are way more categories than just that in the Psalms. There's historical Psalms, liturgical Psalms, wisdom Psalms, praise Psalms. We don't want to forget the praise Psalms, the Psalms that are filled with God's holy laughter. We don't want to forget the praise Psalms, the Psalms that laugh. And that's what this psalm is. It's a psalm of joy and laughter. And the joy and laughter in this particular psalm has to do with God restoring things, God making things whole again. We don't even have to know what the restoration is about for us to feel good about it, and yet scholars will be the first to tell you that this particular restoration in the psalm is more like, most likely about the Jewish people being able to return to the city of Jerusalem after spending years in exile because of the Babylonian empire, the oppression of the Babylonian empire, and that now they've been brought back home. God has, has brought them back. It's like, you know, an old western in, in psalm form where the, the town has been under the grip of the villain and one day the lone gunman rides into town to set things right, you know, and all the tension builds up to the great big showdown at the very end at high noon and, and the lone gunman bests the villain, lays him out flat on the ground, and the whole town erupts with shouts of joy and laughter and parties everywhere. Life has been restored. You can almost picture them running and leaping and laughing through the streets of the city because life has been made whole again. But that's you know, that, that doesn't have to be what, just because that's what this psalm is written about doesn't mean that that's what it has to be about. Part of the beauty of how it's written is that it can, be, it can speak to just about any time of restoration that we experience in life. Any time of, of healing when we feel like we're feeling whole again. When you're sick and one day, you know, you're just sick, you know, you're in the won't leave the bedroom sick. And then one day you just wake up and, and you have a little energy, a little life starting to read this song. When you've been going through a season in life where nothing seems to be going right, everything, I just can't have one more thing go wrong and then there are five more things that go wrong. Eventually at some point something positive is going to happen and even if it's the most minuscule of things right in that moment, read this psalm. When you've had a time in your life when you've been depressed and sad and then one day finally your soul begins to finally wake up again. Pick up this book and read this psalm. Reading Psalm 126 reminds us of a God who is all too eager to pick up the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together again and laughter Laughter 
is one of the first signs that that's what's actually going on. In other words, laughter is good for the soul. You ever been with a group of friends and you start laughing about something? You know, when I shared this at the early service, someone came right up after service and said, yes, when I was in college, we went, there was a time when we just started laughing and we kept telling funny stories, you know. Someone would add a funny story and someone would else would tag on to it and someone would comment on it and everyone just bursts out. And it's this contagious kind of laughter that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, and, and, and it just kind of builds and you know what I mean, when you just are in the, a, a feeding frenzy of laughter, Right, it's the bowed over, belly aching, tears in your eyes. Please make it stop. I can't stop laughing, kind of thing. And yet you don't really want it to stop because it's so great. That kind of time. Whenever that happens, don't you always kind of walk away from it feeling a little lighter? As if part of the weight of the world has magically been lifted from your shoulders. As if some of the crud that builds up inside you has been slowly etched away from the edge of your soul. A, laughter, a laugh can do that. A good laugh can make us feel like we've, we've just been set it's healing in that way you know studies have shown that laughter really is good for you it's physically good for you so laugh for crying out loud it's good for you it, it increases your heart rate it releases antibodies that strengthen your immune system it, some say it lowers your chance of having a heart attack so just for that reason alone is a good reason to laugh. And yet that's really not what we're talking about here necessarily. I mean, the psalmist doesn't write about the joy of the, the people coming into the town in order that, you know, because they want to have a good visit with the doctor. He's talking about the joy of people coming into the town because they are having a good visit with the creator. A good laugh doesn't just help heal and make you feel better in here. A good laugh helps heal and can make you feel better out here in our relationships. The joy the people have as they run through the streets of the city of Jerusalem and they're back home with God is because God has restored their relationship with him, made that whole again. That's what a good laugh can do. Perhaps even it's in that moment when they saw a different side of God. A side of God that they hadn't seen in a long time. The joy of God. Perhaps that's when they first began to see the very best of God. One of the powers that laughter has is it allows us to start to see the best in one another. 
to look past all the muck and the warts and the barnacles on the bottom of us. A good laugh and we can laugh together. Breaks down walls. Reminds us not of what bothers us about other people, but what binds us to them. That's why I chose this series right now. If you want to know, if you're wondering why laughter right now. It's because I truly believe that our world, we, need to relearn what it looks like to look for the best in other people first. We use humor a lot these days, but I see that we often use humor at the expense of someone else. We point at them and we laugh. That's, humor can be a powerful weapon in that way. Humor can also have the power to heal, to include bring people in rather than push them away because when we laugh together we, we start to see the best side of someone else we start to see them as truly human we see their beauty American essayist Agnes Ripley once said that we can't really love someone with whom we've never laughed. Can't really love someone we have never laughed with. Jay Leno once said, you can't stay mad at someone who makes you laugh. He's right. I would go so far as to say that we are not able to fully love until we learn to really laugh. I believe, I think that the reason that Jesus Christ was always able and still is always able to put up with and take the very worst of us is because of the divine great gift of joy and laughter that allows him to keep looking for the best in us, to keep seeking out the beauty in us. We need to learn that. See the beauty in other people far and away above anything else no matter how hard it is to find. Sometimes it is hard. But I believe that that's what God is up to in our world. God's always about restoring us, bringing us together, helping us have eyes to see the best in other people. And one of the great tools God uses is laughter in order to do it. For when we laugh, we see a side of someone else that we've never seen. There's an old story about Pope John XXIII who was Pope back in the 50s. And he, they, there was a journalist asking the Pope questions, you know, and, and this is the Pope. I mean, oh, oh, you know, the Pope. I mean, this, every, there is nothing that's not official with the Pope. I mean, you just feel official standing there. And, and the journalist asked the Pope, said, 
How many people work in the Vatican? And the Pope paused for a minute, looked down and said, well, about half of them. <laughs> now, now that, that's just a small, little bitty thing. And yet, I'm smart enough to know that that was no small thing. All of a sudden, I guarantee you that journalist, all the people standing around the Pope saw a different side of him, perhaps the best of him, ceased to see him as some official thing that the church has propped up in front of the world and instead started to see him in the beauty of his own humanity, the very best. A wall came down. Laughing in life can do that. In fact, I'm convinced that when we walk through the pearly gates someday, that one of the questions God's going to ask is, were you able to laugh? Were you able to laugh? And I want to be able to say yes. I want to be able to say yes to that question. I want to be honest and say, you know, life wasn't all fun. I mean, there were some moments, boy, some seasons, grisly hard times, but yes, Yes, I, I was able to laugh a lot. And I felt you with me every time I did. Keep laughing. Don't you ever stop. So allow God to continue to scratch away Scrape off the crud that builds up on the edge of your soul as you begin seeing the beauty in the world and in other people. Oh, may joy fill our streets once again. May our mouths be filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. It really is good for the soul. Amen.